Hello, and welcome to the Future Christian Podcast, your source for insights and ideas into what it means to live as a follower of Jesus in the 21st century. At the Future Christian Podcast, we talk to pastors, authors, and other faith leaders for helpful advice and practical wisdom to help you and your community of faith walk boldly into the future. Here's your host, Lauren Richmond Jr. My name is Lauren Richmond Jr. And today is the second half of our interview with the many. Uh, Before we jump into the remainder of our interview, I want to give you the individual bios for the members. So Darren Calhoun is an associate fellow with Christians for Social Action and the worship leader at Chicago's Urban Village Church, as well as for conferences like Q Christian Fellowship and the Reformation Project. He's also a sought-after speaker and worship leader, blogger, and activist, working to help communities and churches become more inclusive of a diversity of people and expressions as an authentic reflection of love and justice. You can find him at DarrenCalhoun.com. Leslie Michelle is a classically trained musician steeped in music that has grown out of the black American experience and has performed as a solo artist all over the world. She also has a strong theater background and has dedicated herself to creating performances that help bring about the healing and restoration of the world. Hannah Rand is an award-winning singer-songwriter. She's a recent graduate of the songwriting program at Belmont University in Nashville. She began writing songs about compassion, justice, inclusion, and a world where all belong when she was 13 and garnered National acclaim in 2013, winning a Grammy Foundation contest with her song, Start Over. Along with writing for her solo career, she writes most of the music for the many. Uh, Her website is hannahrandmusic.com. Lenora Rand writes the lyrics for the many and is co-director of the music arts liturgy resource group, The Plural Guild, crafting words and experiences to help people worship in ways that more deeply reflect a peaceful, just, and open expression of faith. Having spent over 25 years as creative director as one of the world's largest at one of the world's largest ad agencies, she now is also running Small Good, a strategy and creative consultancy for businesses and organizations trying to grow more good in the world. You can learn more at wearesmallgood.com. Finally, we're not going to talk to him. Uh, and, and you haven't heard his voice, but behind the scenes is Gary Rand, who co-directs the Plural Guild with Lenora and produces the music of the many. He's a veteran worship pastor, worship leader, and songwriter. He is the former worship director and adjunct professor of worship at McCormick Theological Seminary in Chicago. So if you missed the first half, I encourage you to go back and listen to the previous episode. Uh, and shameless plug here, do us a favor and subscribe if you're not already a subscriber. And now without further ado, further ado let's continue our conversation with Darren, Leslie, Hannah, and Lenora. I want to talk about the song that I was kind of, I think, first introduced to y'all that really, just listening to it again, I just can't even listen to it hardly without uh, getting weak-kneed, you know. Again and again, a song you wrote for Lent, and when you talk about kind of all these themes you've talked about, to me, this song again and again just encapsulates it so beautifully. Um, And I want to go back to something, Hannah, you said about church so often being about glory to God, then leaving. So uh, that's a lot there. So maybe talk about the song again and again. Yeah. Um, again and again, I think Lenora would be great to hear from you from the, about the lyrics, but um, we actually wrote uh, a song which we called 
why are things so broken i think two years ago maybe um and we knew that it was something special because it was so true like well hannah i'll just jump in can i just jump in and say one of the hannah's gifts i would say as a songwriter is uh i'm gonna get a little choked up but that she does she's so good at that first line of the song like and her tune on this why are things so broken it was just like oh it went right to my heart and it went right to my heart i we were not totally happy with the lyrics two years ago but so go ahead hannah but i just want to say we had we knew we had to do this song we just didn't know how to do it you know yeah and i think i think often lenora will write these lyrics and put them on the piano and I saw these these words and it was it's just like I think probably what you're feeling too Lauren is like it just breaks your heart just seeing the words and and the melody just comes because because you just are are singing what you're feeling um and at that point and still today there's just so much that in our world that is just broken you know and I look at it all and I'm like, how am I supposed to do anything about all of this? Because it's just too much. Um, and also, it I needed some way to say to other people, like, are you you you're seeing that this is broken too, right? Like, like can we be together in this brokenness? Um, and I think when we were able to to finish those lyrics. Um, and put it out recently i think i agree with you i think it's one of our it's one of my favorite songs we've ever done um yeah i think the uh turning point i mean i think one of the other pieces about the many that's so great is that you know we had sort of a first round of this song two years ago and we had some very good discussion about it in the uh, band as i recall darren was like yeah, but I don't really love what we're doing. We're the words on the chorus because of this issue. And and I was like, oh, okay, I hear you. So, you know, it's so great to be able to be in a group that um, can be honest with each other and can push each other. And I think that was why this ended up sort of being put aside for a while. And then... Um, and to be clear, I, I, it wasn't a it wasn't a oh this doesn't rhyme issue. Right. It right. was a <laughs> it was more of I think it was like you know like using phrases that are ableist or something like that that we just like as a you know white woman you know sometimes we don't know. Yeah, and it's and nice I, to get different feedback. Yeah, and as a person who, uh, I mean, Darren is in a lot of circles where. He uh, he advocates for people all the time, and I think he is just such, I don't know, I'm just going to say, you're just such a great person about uh, bringing those kinds of issues to all of us and helping all of us, I think, really kind of push us a little bit. So that's what happened on this song. And uh, <laughs> at the time, I was like, oh, no, I don't know how to fix this. Um, but... Uh, you know, it was great. I think it was really, really great that we were able to come back to it. So, yeah one of one of the things that that I've been doing in my own just personal growth practice is trying to learn 
where are the ways that I show up? Yes, I'm a black man who's gay, but I'm also able-bodied. I'm also cisgender. I'm, um, for the most part, I think neurotypical. That might change, but um, but there are, but there are all kinds of ways that that I can be showing up for others as well, and learning just the everyday language that we use that stigmatizes the everyday language that we use to describe our experiences they're better words we can reach for or or make common even um and so yeah what i i loved the part that we had this idea and then we 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 worked on it we talked about it we we asked some other folks about it and then we let it rest and we let it breathe and grow and i've personally felt so impacted by this song coming up and us you know doing the recording for it during the pandemic um because it it speaks to me like oh we just we've seen so much come up we've 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 got it's clearer than ever what anti-blackness looks like in this country it's clearer than ever um what trans antagonism and transphobia looks like in this country like it's overt the the voter suppression there's so many things they're loud and clear. And even our band um, has has fans and friends who are around the world saying, yeah, here too, here in, in, in Australia too, here in South Africa too. Um, and so it it's a reminder, it's just like things are broken, but we have this moment where we see each other and we remind each other, it's like, but we're still here and we're going to do what we can to make things better. and. Like, that's the encouragement. It's not, it's not, oh, one day we'll just get away from here. It's just like, no, like, what does it mean for God's king, kingdom or kingdom to be here on earth as it is in heaven right now? Not just in the... Yeah, it's the definitely hereafter. a song of lament. Um, and it's definitely a song of, you know, so many of the Psalms talk about how long, oh Lord, you know, and that refrain about again and again, like, Ah, oh, it just feels like so much. This stuff just keeps happening. And and I do think I mean for me part of the song is also uh again as a white woman in this society, the second verse is is also about confession, you know, and it's also about looking at my own complicity in the things that are wrong in this world. Um and confessing that and saying, you know, I have to confess this again and again every single day, you know, and I have to keep working on this again and again. Um, and then I think the piece that there is a little bit of hope at the end, I think, which is that sense of like, again and again, your love remains. You know, we, God is with us in this, in all of the brokenness, in all of our own brokenness and the brokenness in the world. God's love remains and you know, we hold on to that. Leslie, how about any thoughts from you here? Um, you know, I think that uh, Hannah and Lenora did a great job. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm at peace with uh, this question. Yeah. 
to being drawn and families torn at the seams it's getting harder and harder to see what any of this means when hate is having its day and children are shot in the street sometimes there's no way death has lost its sting why are things so broken again and again we pray Just wish that we could sleep. We want to close our eyes. We're not who we want to be. We look in the mirror and we don't like the face that we find. We pray that you are listening. God, forgive us one more time. I want to, I want to, I want to talk about here, and it, it's it's something I I see kind of throughout your music, um, and Lenore, you kind of just spoke to it about confession, and you know you all do so much work incorporating liturgy, and I think about how in in so many churches music is just seen as about quote unquote worship. Um, and as I see your music, it, it incorporates so much more from lament to confession to justice seeking. Um, and I'll just, for me, uh, it's about grieving. Uh, I'll be transparent here and this will, I'll talk more about this in a, in a future podcast. Um, literally as we're recording this, I'm sending out a 
going to send out a message later today that my church is closing and it's, it's, it's brutal for me. It's a church that I started and I'm super grieving it. And I, I appreciate your music in that, um, it makes space for just more than like, I'm, I'm a happy, joyful follower of Jesus. I'm able to feel what I'm feeling, whether that's grief or rage or lament or the need to confess. Uh, what what else uh, what else is there? I mean, there. I think there's so much in your in your stuff. I I would just say one thing about the word worship for me. I think we have limited the definition of worship so much to praise, like lament and confession, are also a part of worship. And I think that we've just like narrowed it down and just re- defined worship as oh, we come to praise and give glory to God. Well, for worship is when you show up, uh, you know, open to God and open to the people around you and you show up honestly with your questions and your doubts and you show up like laying it all out there, but present. That's worship to me, you know, and that's why lament and confession are a big part of what we do, you know, because that's worship, you know, it's just a part of worship we've We've walked away from so much in the church um, these days. Yeah. And Lauren, I just want to take a moment to like appreciate that moment that you're in um, of, um, you know, moving into another transition. Uh, one, it's you've invited us into holy space. Like you're you're in a vulnerable space. You're in a, an important time. Um, and I appreciate that that you felt comfortable to, to bring us into that. Um, and that's, again, I, I, I'm, I choose that word holy space on purpose. Um, the places where we're in that difficult moment, um, I think that's where we often experience God in profound ways. I, I don't want to say most because sometimes we glorify suffering. But, um, but I, I, I'm reaching for this idea that... Um, when we we don't do it often enough in church, you might do it in 12-step, you might do it in therapy, you might do it in the argument with your spouse, but we don't invite people into those broken, hurting spots that are fresh. We always, at least in many evangelical traditions, we tell people about after it happened, but not when it's going on. So thank you for, for letting us into that spot. Yeah, yeah. And Absolutely. that is worship. You know, wherever Jesus was is really something that I, I think organically and uh, our trajectory as a band uh, is being able to have that vulnerability that we're building into how we engage with one another so that we can be gentle and thoughtful about how we engage with you so that it can be passed on and that the many is growing and the ability to see God past walls and specific genres and specific Christian traditions and to really reimagine, reassess, re-engage what a uh, experience with God can be. And so uh, to Darren's point, the more vulnerable we are, like you just were, Lauren, 
the more um, we let go of thinking that God is only uh, uh, accessible when we can honor the triumphant victories uh, or the overcomings as opposed to there there's a um, uh, colonized slash manifest destiny that we attached unconsciously to how we engage God uh, I can attest to specifically here in the West that um, there's weakness weakness in being weak when really there's beauty and uh, such depth such mystery uh, uh, can be pa- painful mystery and again we re- re- we miss the mark when we um, don't find the appreciation in pain. And let me tell you, I'm not saying that I'm uh, um, not being sensitive to suffering, to be clear. That's not what I'm saying. But the ways in which we've been often taught how to engage suffering, it doesn't have to deplete us as much as it does. Um, There's a lot of uh, assistance that God offers us in the suffering places like lament, the ability to release, the ability to be vulnerable uh, and create safe space in our communities. And the more we step to the plate with choosing these quiet, gentle spaces that are genuinely sacred, genuinely holy, genuinely safe, then that's really where nurturing exploration uh, and our expansion of worship with God can really take flight. Wow. So good. So good. I, I can't keep, you know, I think about what you're saying and the songs running through my head, the the kind of the the popular worship songs right now, are, and, and and you're not saying they're not ever appropriate. What you're saying there needs to be a balance or space for at least. Yeah, we can have the waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, but we need to have space for like you know this is this sucks right now, right? God, this sucks. And I think what. In my, if I can, I think what so often happens in, I don't know if it's, I'm being a bit stereotypical here of, in evangelical Christianity is that, um, like there's, it's like, it's like there's a, I don't know other what to call it, like a, like a, a scapegoating suffering in that, like, like your suffering is like, um, Like we kind of look at people's suffering as like, oh, that's part of God's plan. And, you know, so like we don't really honor the suffering in a way like honor the person who's suffering more. Like we kind of just like valorize them for suffering when they don't really want to be suffering, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we sometimes blame sufferers, too, for their own suffering. (laughs) Like, you know. Maybe, you know, check out the sin in your life, you know, yeah. is that kind of, you're suffering because you're sinning probably, and you know, really haven't been. Mm-hmm. so hmm. I have found Sinai's statement that because we're often inundated with God's victories, we haven't 
uh, worked our muscles of empathy and sitting in the quiet. We get we get impatient, right? And it's like, okay, you're still depressed. Okay, wait a minute. Are you utilizing the principles of Jesus to overcome your depression? It's like, uh, <laughs> so there's a lack of, um, uh, of uh, walking, the ability to walk alongside one for the journey. Uh, and that, again, is an aspect of worship. The ability to uh, have the, the, the wherewithal to not just be looking for the uh, instant gratification. Jesus is not, you know, uh, a candy box. <laughs> he's not, what are those? He's not a gumball machine. Vending machine, God. Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> I'll take a gumball machine. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love this all encompassing uh, image, philosophy, whatever y'all have of worship. Um, and I think it just, it really speaks to what I see is like this, there's this, um, breaking down of the bifurcation between the sacred and the secular and, 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 and seeing like, it's all God. And I don't mean to be super pantheistic here, but I think what I'm, if I'm hearing you all right, it's like God is active in all of this. Yeah. Something, something you said, uh, and it just it I, I googled real quick just to just to double check. It got me to thinking about um, about the ways that we show up for music, um, and I'll explain that. So we mentioned the contrast between what we're doing, uh, the songs that we're producing, and a song like Waymaker. And Waymaker is a, a again just a, a a real interesting example of how context matters so much. Waymaker was written by um, um, Sinach, who is a Nigerian woman and has her own, you know, success in her own right. But in the U.S., it was popularized, if you will, by white evangelicals. And the context changed. Uh, I think so. Bethel or maybe, you know, everybody's re-recorded it by now. But, um, but what's so interesting is that what I often find is the ways that Western American, often white folks, connect with music is from this place of um, of privilege, of um, access, of power. And so, when we hear Waymaker, it's often about okay, God's gonna make another thing work for me or another thing work for me. Whereas when I think about where the song is written, the context is from a, col a country that was colonized, Nigeria was colonized for its resources by Britain. And so people who were colonized were surviving something as opposed to needing, just needing something to work out like a new car or a new house. And the, you know, the, the context of being a way maker in a survival or the theology from below is very different from the context of a way maker from above. And so, again, I'm thinking about the ways that it's not even necessarily the songs that we sing, but it's the context in which we present it, where in America we often get, a, you know, what some have called a prosperity gospel, or we get a gospel that is individualistic. Whereas the country this comes from 
is 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 uh, collectivist. It's the people that this come from are thinking about like, and I, I don't want to put anything onto the original author, but I'm just thinking in the ways that the world has been colonized. It was like so many of our songs were actually about, you know, hard stuff. But because people who didn't necessarily have the same heart stuff were hearing it, they took it in the way that they were, you know, had access to. So all that to say, I'm just thinking about how we we have the opportunity to create new contexts. We have the opportunity to create um, to set the set the frame differently. Um, another example of this is the song uh, "Break Every Chain." Um, I was. Uh, in, in singing with the Reformation Project, you know, we're singing um, in a room full of people who are LGBTQ plus and their allies and church leaders. And Break Every Chain was a typical song to be used to say you need to break the chains of homosexuality. Tasha Cobbs even wrote, you know, even did a recording where that's a part of the recording. So why would a bunch of LGBTQ people sing this song? We're reclaiming it, right? We were take, taking the song back in some ways and saying, no, like, we're going to break the chains of oppression. We're going to break the chains of, of um, antagonism towards gender and, and, and um, sexual orientation minorities. We're going to, like, take all this back. And so I'm just thinking about the opportunities that churches and people have to reset the frame. You know, our song All Belong Here does the same thing. So many churches make communion about blood and violence when the communion dinner was a dinner party with close friends. You know, we, we have this idea of like focusing on the violence of the cross at communion when the communion meal was actually about us coming together, even the people who would eventually bet betray us. And so I'm like, what are the opportunities for us to really reset the frame and, re and reimagine what our worship gatherings could be if we just told a different story? Mm. Wow. Thank you, Darren. Um, I love that you brought that up because, uh, Lauren, you said something that stood out to me. And in many ways, Darren addressed that too. And that was when you said you don't want to be too pantheistic. And um, what's interesting is the ways in which we engage our point of view like what Darren was talking about uh, and expanding that exploring that that can be uh that's also in how we're approaching church how we're approaching Jesus how we're approaching uh our understanding of worship Jesus was um a good Jewish man right what elements of Judaism or uh, the Torah are in our Christian expression of Jesus. So we, we've actually denounced, you know, Jews in many ways. And so this idea that to embrace Jesus, the Jew would be, and I'm not saying this to you, but it, it brought so many thoughts about how we have so many walls. And like our song says, we're tearing down walls. And so if Jesus was a Jew, then what in the Torah, God help me, you know, don't, don't stone me out listeners out there. I love you. What potentially in the Torah can be a blessing to us if that is literally, that was Jesus's meat, bread and drink. So this idea that, uh, by engaging in something that is foreign to our Western Christianity would be, uh, 
uh, pantheism or anti-Jesus uh, is often uh, what's underneath the bedrock of how we're engaging uh, with the world around us. We have to protect ourselves from the uh, the neon, you know, the the uh, the sin of the world, and really, we're keeping uh, our love from being expressed to the world. We're not allowing Jesus to express love to us in the world, if that makes sense. Because Jesus is everywhere. We're we're alienating ourselves from Jesus by not going where Jesus was. And so, I I really appreciate you bringing that up, Darren, because when you start assessing context then you you have you're you're teaching yourself in your community the ability to see god in uh, in different ways that can really be a blessing really be a blessing uh for example in my meditations uh, i was listening to a guided meditation recently and i was directed to simply stare at a flower and that's not something I've ever done in church, but the tears came and just the real, the, it was just so beautiful. It was an act of worship. And so I really encourage uh, at the listeners, you know, the ways in which we've been designated to say, this is worship. This is not worship. Pause, pause when you're driving in your car and you look over and you see someone smiling at you that was a gift you know that you know so there's ways in which we may be missing that we're really actually in communion with god and it's not inside the church walls it's not necessarily on our knees only and i think it's not uh the gatekeeper is not what you believe either necessarily you know i do i think about the um Scripture, you know, where Jesus says, come all you who are weary and burdened and heavy laden and all those words. And I think about it wasn't like come all of you who sign on to this set of beliefs, you know, and uh, it was really come as you are where you are. And um, I, I feel like the invitation from Jesus was so open. And um, I feel like that kind of is the invitation that we want to give ourselves and we want to give everybody else in our music and just in our lives is like, as Leslie's saying, as Aaron's saying, as we're all saying is like, just trust that we can come as we are and that Jesus meets us there, you know, wherever we are. You know, there was a fun fact uh, just as as Leslie was talking about, um, as Leslie was talking about Jesus being a Jewish man, I've been trying to follow and listen to more people who are Jewish culturally or religiously, and learn like what their perspectives are because there's so much in their tradition that we just kind of blazed right over. And one of the things that came up today on TikTok, if you're not on TikTok, go find a, go just, you don't even have to post videos, just watch the content. Uh, a, a Jewish woman on TikTok was talking about the prohibition against mixed fabrics, which many people just kind of th throw out because it doesn't make sense. Or we say, well, that's for the context and the time, but why was there even a prohibition? And the prohibition was because only priests were to wear mixed fabrics. And what she was saying is that there's a historically there's a thing where 
the things in Deuteronomy were literal and and a metaphor. And so a prohibition against mixed fabrics was saying, don't pretend to be a priest, which was a metaphor for don't pretend to be something you're not. It wasn't about the fabrics being bad, but because we don't engage with this tradition that Jesus was from, we miss this really important lesson about being authentic, you know, about being who we are and not pretending to be something we're not. That was very clearly there, but we instead we try to make the Bible a rule book instead of saying, what is this trying to guide us into? And seeing that there's a whole tradition that has very smart understandings of what was written because it was in their context, not our 2021 Christian Jesus-y context. Um, and I'm just like, yeah, there's a lot to there's a lot to be found in that we can reclaim and create new rituals around. Like we, you know, we have a, a a thing that we do where we actually invite people to look in a mirror as we're singing about our bodies. And when's the last time you actually sat in church and thought about your physical body as opposed to like this disembodied spiritual thing that we typically do? You know what I'm hearing so much of in even this last few seconds but this the last few minutes here we've been talking about is a theme darren which you kind of spoke to and i'm i'm you know i'm, I'm curious what others want to chime in here share here but you know you you mentioned it darren about how western especially white american christianity tends to like bring in practices from like Waymaker to what you just said about kind of t- or or leslie i think it was you said about taking in kind of parts from Jewish faith and just kind of ignoring or overlooking the rest. What do you think are some ways that church could do better about, you know, shedding light, uh, educating people? I'm not even sure how to, how to say it or ask it. Uh, how could, how could churches do better on that? My first thought is we've, uh, many, many, many churches have isolated themselves um, yeah I, honestly that that in itself is has been a a powerful and very um, poignant uh, path that really has uh, left a lot of our churches stagnant uh, and, and to be clear when I say isolate when I, I brought it up and Darren uh, went took it further, but let's just take a moment to sit with the fact that Jesus was a Jew and most of us as Christians don't have any understanding or very little or very little connection to Judaism. Let's just sit with that, right? We have dedicated our lives to this Jesus and we know so little about his cultural truths, his, uh, his, his idea of who God was. We have spoken for him in many ways uh, based on our context here in the West. That is profound. That is isolation. And so that's why I brought up this idea, gave you a little pushback on the, the pantheism it's it's not pantheism to honor who Jesus was. <laughs> like, he was a Jewish man. 
And so the ways in which we've cultivated this um, king, this victor, this mighty conqueror, Jesus, what if, the, well, not just what if, there are so many beautiful facets to Jesus. And earlier I said that Jesus was not a gumball machine. To be clear, he is not only a gumball machine because Jesus is gum and he's popping. But <laughs> yes. he also has other sides to him. And we need to just stop using him for popping. And, and we could, you know, he could do some other things. So. <laughs> oh. I was also thinking this is a little bit divergent from where we've been. But in response, Lauren, I was thinking about... Um, education in the church. And I think so many times we do education in a rational sort of way versus a more experiential way. And um, I think for many people, just bringing in songs from different cultures uh, in a worship service and giving the context of that song, like or you know, if you sang if you sang Waymaker in your church and you talked about, okay, the person who wrote this song <laughs> was in experiencing this in this moment in cultural history, and then if you did that with uh, a Bach cantata, <laughs> and you did it with you know what I mean, it's like everything comes out of a context. Everything comes out of a people's lives and their different experiences of God, based on their culture and their circumstance. And I think to be more, I think telling those kind of stories as we go along, uh, and prayers too, you know, like we, we might pick a, a, a prayer from a classic kind of, you know, religious book, and we might pull in a prayer from, um, that is like a, a, a prayer from the Muslim tradition and talk about how that prayer, you know, there are all kinds of ways of, um, you know, bringing in kind of different experiences of God and putting it in context that I think actually would be very helpful for people to understand that my thing that I'm most comfortable with worship-wise is because who of who I am, because of the context that I was born and grown and all that kind of good stuff. I think often too, like when you have, when you bring in, when you bring in, I think when you bring in music or or liturgy from other cultures sometimes it expands your own view of god so you might have a one a, this one view of god and then you hear a, a different song from a different culture or a different act of a different culture and your view is wildly expanded um just because you've never even thought to like see god that way and different rituals too i mean i think and being aware of what the rituals might mean and, and creating, we've, one of the things we've tried to do is kind of create some new rituals um, for people to experience. Like uh, in Darren was, I think mentioning this earlier about our, uh, we do a liturgy. We have a song called these bodies uh, where we're actually singing about bodies in church. And um, we have a whole liturgy that we developed about, you know, uh, that this kind of experience of being bodies that have been damaged and hurt by our culture and by families and all this kind of stuff. And it's a, a part of that is we invite people to, um, as a part of it, you, you can write 
with sort of washable marker on your body at some point during the, the liturgy, uh, names that you've been called and shames that have been placed on you and your body. And I got to tell you, boy, when I'm always shocked, but people do this, you know, people do it. And uh, I actually had somebody tell me once after a, a, an experience that they didn't know it was washable and they did it anyway. And they're thinking, how's this going to look when I'm going home on the train with this on my hand, <laughs> you know? Uh, but, but then uh, at another point, a little bit later, then we invite people up to have their hands washed. And, um, and there's this moment, it's like a communion moment where you come forward and you can either wash your hands yourself or someone is there to do it for you and, and bless you with words of love. And, I got to tell you, I mean, it's a powerful experience. And that's not one of our traditional church liturgies or church rituals, but bringing in some images and rituals from other places and other ways of experiencing God uh, has really been helpful in that. And also one last thought. If you are engaging in cultural uh, exploration, you know, bring the people in that it's their culture. If they speak the language, if it's their ritual, uh, have that understanding that G God is big enough. Jesus is there. And, you know, there's so much to be gained from uh, letting them come in and tell you who they are. For, not to say that, you know, if you live in a, a, a rural area and you just don't have access, that, you know, but if you can... Do it the best that you can to uh, open up your doors and, and tear down those walls. And I have one more thought. Um, one of the things that's so challenging for many of us is in, in our society, we've built a lot on certainty. We only want to engage things that we know the exact outcomes of, and we want to to be certain of all of our theological beliefs and so forth. But the scriptures that we read are full of uncertainty. They're full of questions. They're full of doubt. We see the disciples not really knowing what's going on at, at some pretty critical moments. And um, in my like practice of um, consulting with churches and helping them work through how do we deal with race? How do we deal with LGBTQ? How do we deal with immigration? The certainty and the fear of not being 100% correct is what hinders so much of this process. So the practical thing to deal with that certainty is instead of trying to have all the answers, just get more confident about what it is you believe. Um, so many times we just say, oh, well, we just believe the Bible. And it's like, no, that's a little vague, actually. Um, if, you, if you're certain of, if, if you instead of like being afraid of getting things wrong if you like get clear on what you believe and i would even say hold that with an open hand because clearly there's room for god to challenge some stuff um but getting clear on what you believe gives you the space and the freedom and the confidence to be able to go into other spaces to deal with other people to hear opposing thoughts and not feel like your whole construct of God and faith and, and your whole congregation is going to fall apart because someone said something that doesn't fit what you believe. It's, that's, that, it's, that sounds fragile, right? Like, 
we have this faith where Jesus said, you know, I'll build this church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. Like, why are we worried about a, a gym shoe with a with a pentagram on it if Jesus said the gates of hell won't prevail? <laughs> like, what what if we, instead of being worried about people doing things wrong, what if we said, no, there's there's a there's a God who says I can put my trust in this God of the universe, and that as a result, I can be sent to go and witness and and go and, and be light and, and go and and engage in all kinds of places. Go ye therefore into all the nations. And I'm not promoting missionary stuff because that's a whole other conversation for a different podcast. But what I'm saying is that if 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 we engage our confidence not based on having everything right or being the authority, but instead being confident in our love, being confident in our relationship, being confident in our ability to get things right after we mess up, like that's where the freedom and the, and the possibility come in. So yeah, your church might try something new and it flops, but what if your church was used to that and they said, yeah, let's try something else. How much more resilient could your church be if every line and every T didn't have to be crossed and dotted, like what could we really be doing if your people in your congregation wanted to try something new and they knew that if they tried it and failed, they'd have a loving congregation and said, okay, let's try again. You know, what are the possibilities that we get into when we let go of this, this death grip on certainty and instead, you know, you know, goodbye to the fear of failure and instead love and embrace the way God does who's like yeah y'all been getting it wrong a long time but guess what I love you <laughs> <laughs> I think Anne Lamott always talks about you know you just imagine God smacking God's head every day you know like oh my <laughs> there they go again <laughs> Right, just like we do with the kids, right? You know, or, or our kittens. Yeah, right. Because oh. kittens will do things. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, really? Okay, but I still love you. Yeah. And you're cute and you're fuzzy. Yeah. And you're working on it. You're doing stuff. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> Darren, I was going to say, I think we could have a whole, whole other podcast on excellence in church, that philosophy, but we, don't, we do not have time for that. Oh, we should. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk real quick before we take a break. Uh, I want to get this plug in here uh, for one... One of my sponsors that I know you've done some work for. Uh, this will air after the Festival of Homilex, but folks will still be able to find these resources online. So uh, talk about what you did for the future. Uh, well, the, the Festival of Homiletics uh, will have happened. The, their theme is the future of church. Talk about what you did uh, with them on that theme. Um, yeah, well, this was our second time uh doing the Festival of Homiletics and, uh, you know, it was online last year and online again this year. And they asked us to create a uh, full, you know, worship liturgy online. And uh, so we, we did that. And uh, like so many of our things that we have been doing, it kind of combines our uh, music and video and, um, you know, spoken word, all those kinds of things. Um, and, invites participation, invites people like uh, we've talked about to share their confessions, share their laments, share their gratitude in the moment. Um, and so we created an experience like that. And I think that, um, you know, in terms of their theme, the future of church, the, the experience that we created, I think was very, 
we had this image of, um, you know, what does it mean to be the church today? And we talked a lot about that and um, sort of to be the church going forward. It actually, <laughs> the, the answer we came to is probably not, won't surprise you because we, we talked a lot about the church can't move forward until um, it reckons with the past and reckons with the things that are broken and the things that are broken in the world and in ourselves and that the church, really the future of the church depends on how willing we are to be honest and how willing we are to be vulnerable and how willing we are to, you know, actually lament and confess. And um, so we, we kind of brought that to life in the context of a, of a uh, sort of hour-long worship uh, experience. Anyone else want to chime in with uh, some thoughts there on that? Well, just as a teaser, um, the the metaphor throughout the whole experience is into the desert is what the name of the experience is, and uh, it, we we actually created a desert in our backyard and filmed it. So look forward to that. Wow, that's a teaser right there. <laughs> right, that's a teaser. You're gonna want to tune in for that. So that's a. This should be. I'm assuming it's. It'll be available because the festival has stuff uh, on demand. I think again because this will air after the festival will have happened live. But festivalhomiletics.com. I think it is right. Yeah. I think so, so check it out, and I'm sure. I gotta imagine you'll have links for it on on the many on your website, right? Yeah. Yep, yeah. Can, we probably will. You can go to themanyarehere.com, um, and also if you're a church leader, we have a ton of resources on pluralguild.com pluralguild.com um because we this was never made to be a come see us thing it was always about how how are how are things that are useful for churches um and communities because maybe you don't describe yourself as a church but how can we make things that are useful for people to use and do and so we put it all out there Awesome. Yeah, somebody who is not on this podcast who's um someone who's not on this podcast who's very important in the part of all of this stuff, whether it's the plural guild or the many, is Gary Rand, who ha- I happen to be married to, who is Hannah's father. Uh, and uh, <laughs> we're all a family. <laughs> and we're sort of an extended family here with uh, all of us and Darren and Leslie. Um, but, um, you know, one of the things that uh, Gary, along with, you know, producing the music and uh, writing some of the songs and all that kind of stuff. He and I started this group called the Plural Guild, um, which was really meant to help resource churches who are looking into creative worship renewal. And um, so that's a good place to go to both find some resources and also to find out more about um, The Many. And then The Many has its own website, too, themanyarehere.com. Awesome. Uh Speaking of the festival, let me break momentarily to drop in an ad for the festival next year. <laughs> All right, we're back with the many, and thanks so much. Thanks so much for your time. Um, this has been a great conversation. I've really appreciated hearing your perspectives and what y'all have been willing to share. Um, these closing questions, I tell folks, you can take them as seriously or not as you're as you'd like to. Um, and let's let me let's do it. Uh, uh, one you know one person one response for fun here um who wants to take if you're pope for a day what that day is what that is about was looking like that kind of thing 
We decided that was the hardest question. <laughs> I was going to say, I'll take a stab at it. Wait, I want to use nonviolent language. I'll, I'll offer something. <laughs> uh, if I were, if I were hope for the day or whatever you con- conceptualize as a, as an influential church leader, then I'd love to see love your neighbor as you love yourself day. That is a day of self-care and a day of loving other people. And that's it. That's good. That's good. I appreciate how you take that open-ended. I'm trying to, if you notice, I have, well, our listeners can't see this, but I have quotation marks around the Pope, so it can be widely interpreted how you want to understand it. Um, a theologian or historical Christian figure you would want to meet or bring back to life? No, I still wanted to talk about the Pope. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, let's back up. We can do that. I would, I would, uh, I would do it. Because, you know, as a pope, you can do, uh, how about we just make it so the pope can do multiple things in one day. Sure. Yeah, you're the pope. And so, in addition to what Darren said the pope is doing that day, we are going to uh, share some of that vast funding that the papal see has. And we are going to make all that artwork uh, available to the public. <laughs> <laughs> Share and the wealth. Sell, yes. It's a share the wealth off, Pope Day. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> and sell off some of that, those robes and those chains to pay for some of these uh, fledgling Catholic churches and, and other communities. <laughs> and that would be my Pope Day. <laughs> In love. Well, we seem to have energize this enthusiasm about what we want to do as Pope. Hannah or L- Lenora, you want to you want to jump in here or should we move on? All I can think about now is that TV show Warrior Nun. <laughs> yes, it's such a good show. Because she is like relate she's like talking to the people that like the pope people and stuff. And so if I was pope for a day, I would go figure out where these warrior nuns are and go hang out with them. <laughs> okay. Okay. This isn't related to the Velasa Pastor movie. No, I don't is think it? so. This is a very okay. serious TV show, Darren. <laughs> oh, because there's a movie about a pastor who can morph into a Velociraptor oh. and has to fight ninjas. And the fact what? that this exists on Netflix, oh I don't know goodness. what to do with that oh reality. My <laughs> oh my goodness. My my kids would love that. That would be a great family movie. <laughs> I mean, it could be not at all family movie, but I'm just thinking it combines my kids yeah, love like, dinosaurs and I love church yeah. pastoring. Yeah. All right. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And I would just say that Warrior Nun is not a family show. Not for children. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We're all in on this. So, Lenora, you have to give something now. Oh, for the Pope. Oh, dear. <laughs> I have so so little, you know, Pope orientation, religious figure orientation, but um, I guess I I would say that um, I would make it a day in which um, the Pope tried to be brutally honest, <laughs> because I feel like the Pope is always, I think we put our religious leaders on a pedestal, and they put themselves away from us and away from their own vulnerability and honesty. And so it would be the Pope going to be honest today. Day. All right. All right. All right. Uh, theologian or historical Christian figure. I'm ready for this one. Go for it, Darren. My, uh, my, my patron saint, cause I, I have 
Catholic background, so it's not appropriation. My uh, patron saint um, isn't a canonized saint, but uh, Bayard Rustin. Um, he was a civil rights leader who really was the person who introduced Dr. Martin Luther King to nonviolent resistance and who planned the March on Washington. Um, he was also a Quaker, so he was a Christian man, and he was also an openly, openly gay man in a time where that was not a thing. And so he uh, he talked so much about how we use our bodies to to uh, to gum up the gears of unjust systems. And uh, he's somebody who speaks to my life on so many levels as a Christian, as a queer man, as somebody who uh, has spent a lot of times behind the scenes supporting much bigger uh bigger leaders who often gets written out of histories and his impact is not seen as widely as it as it actually is so somebody for me to like is like yeah he almost died in obscurity but his impact really matters and so that's that's who I'd like to talk to I do I do not want to bring anybody back from the dead though. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for that thank you awesome um what do we think history will remember from our current time and place a pandemic? <laughs> there you have it. Uh, yes. That yeah. right there, Hannah. All right. Um, sorry, I'm marching along here, but I'm just, I'm realizing I have another interview in 15 minutes and I need to stretch break. So let's, uh, forgive me for, for marching on here. What are your hopes for the future of Christianity? I guess all I was going to say is my hope is that the church could get over itself. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> yes. And I'm just going to leave it there. <laughs> and that was beautiful because that was straight to the point. And maybe we'll add, be where Jesus was. Yeah. Tell our listeners where we can, uh, where they can find out more about y'all. Yeah, so I, I think like uh, like Darren said, we we have our website, themanyarehere.com, and we also have our resources website for church resources, pluralguild.com, and we're also on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, at themanyarehere, and we also, like Leslie mentioned earlier, have a Patreon that you can join for only $3 a month and get all these cool stuff, um, and I think that's about it. Oh, and then... Uh, yeah, so yeah, we have Facebook. We also have some nice merch. Oh, yeah, we do. Some nice t-shirts and mugs and such, which you can find on our website. I feel like I need to know after what Darren said. Are you on TikTok? We are not on TikTok yet. We want to be, but we have not been there yet. I mean, we do Instagram and we do Facebook stories and stuff, but TikTok, TikTok creation, I'm learning is like a whole thing, but I'm experimenting with it, so. Yeah. Darren and I have recently just fallen in love with TikTok, so I think we're going to need to be on there quite a little bit longer before, before the, the money takes on. Also, I just wanted to point out, uh, we've mentioned quite a few of our liturgies. They are also available on uh, the website, The Plural Guild, for uh, church leaders who are looking to uh, for resources. Uh, there's a lot there uh, that we're offering. Yeah, we have lots of lyric videos, uh, which during this time of online worship has been very important for people. And those are all available both on the Plural Guild and the, the many are here.com. You can go and find all these things. And um, 
uh, as, as Leslie was saying too, like a lot of the worship resources that we've created, like online uh, times of lament or times of prayer or times of you know various things, are visual and have music with them. And those are videos that you can get on our website as well, which a lot of churches have been using um, within their online worship experiences too. So. Well, awesome. Uh, this has been a great conversation. I really appreciate y'all's time and sharing with me. And uh, may God's peace be with you. And, and with also, you. And also with you. Thanks for joining us on the Future Christian Podcast. The Future Christian Podcast is produced by Torn Curtain Arts in partnership with Resonate Media. To learn more about Lauren or the podcast, visit futurechristian.com. If you've enjoyed the show, and you think it would be valuable for others to hear, subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. That really helps more people find us. Thanks again, and go in peace.